Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to All Stats Sun. We are a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on at Ellen Dread, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm John McKenzie, the international footballer of the podcast. Nothing like the real thing and largely boring. And I'm joined by the England round of 16 knockout of the podcast, Tom Alderson. It's coming home, but not as you might think it. And finally, the Gareth Southgate waistcoat of the podcast. How about you spend more time on creating more than six shots on target in three games than on your outfit? It's Josh Hobbs. Josh, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. I don't think I really pull off a waistcoat, to be honest. But um, yeah, doing well. Uh, I am enjoying the Euros, despite um, England being a bit near. Yeah, can you tell that I'm deeply upset about Scotland being out? (laughs) (laughs) There's a bitterness to you. And and by that, I mean more than normal. (laughs) A man for whom bitterness is simply not present is Tom Alderson. Tom, how are you doing? <laughs> I, I'm good, thanks. Um, I, I watched the the game at Box in Headingley, if um, anyone knows that. But it's it was weird because they were kicking people out for chanting, which I'm like, we're watching an England game. What what do you expect? So that was a bit weird. But yeah, it's, it's been good, and I've I've enjoyed uh, the Euros as well uh, so far. Even though I'm not sure it's been that good sort of quality wise and you, with, it's been a lot of games to knock out eight teams but what I've watched I've really enjoyed well let's start off by talking a little bit about the Euros so far anything stood out for either of you in terms of what you've watched in terms of teams or in terms of players Josh we'll start with you Italy uh nice to see uh Locatelli tearing it up considering that we we spoke about him in our Autos List series um and funnily enough, we sort of doubted whether, like, could he, could he not play as as a bit more of an eight? Well, he has been playing as an eight, and he <laughs> he's been ripping it up as an eight, scoring two goals. Um, really nice to see. That's very rare for him. So it'd be funny if people start start thinking of him as this like great box to box midfielder when he's barely done that role. But he he did show that he can do that well. You're going to say the Dutch, surely the Dutch. Yeah, def- definitely, definitely the Dutch. I was about to come on to them. They've surprised me because they looked horrific in the warm-up games. Um, and a player that I love also, um, 
that we mentioned in Orta's list is, is Owen Vandal. And he was looking a little bit out of it playing in the left wing back roles. I think he's really suited to being a full back in a four. Um, and they, yeah, De Boer just out of nowhere just dropped him for the first game. And, and he's played Patrick Van Arnholt uh, <laughs> as, as the left wing back. But the, the real story is Denzel Dumfries on the uh, right wing back basically getting into the box as like a third forward uh, for... Um, for Netherlands and yeah, it's been, I mean, it, they could, they could get, they could get knocked out straight away in, in the, um, round of 16, um, because they're, they're kind of open and that, that can, that can hurt you in, in international football. But if they get knocked out in the round of 16 and it's been fun to watch them and England get knocked out in the round of 16, and it's not been fun to watch them. I feel if I was a Netherlands fan, I'd be happier. Yeah, Germany are similar to that, aren't they? Germany have looked quite good, uh, but they've looked quite open as well. So they they obviously lost to France, but I think they've looked quite good in both their games. They're both playing like 3-4-3 formations and England had played a 3-4-3 before and sort of abandoned it. And they're making 3-4-3 look fun and attacking. Um, Just, I don't know if Southgate's maybe capable of making things look fun and attacking. (laughs) Well, the received wisdom at the moment seems to be that you can play stodgy football because the teams who win the the Euros tend to play stodgy footballs. Yeah, they yeah they're really pushing that agenda, aren't they, in the media? I'm not, but I don't really understand. Yes, like some teams have won tournaments like that, but as Tim Keach from Market Insights tweeted earlier, like generally that's a tactic that loses, like. It it's it has worked in tournaments, but tournaments on the whole, it's like it's a small sample size of football overall. I I, I don't think it's true to just say, oh well, a team that keeps it tight is going to win. I don't I don't I I hate the idea of being one nil up and then just going right, let's just hold on to this. Yeah, you know, as as Leeds fans, having watched Bielsa for three seasons, like we we're, we're just not conditioned to <laughs> think like that anymore, are we? It's like. Well, the best way to win is go and get the second goal. Yeah, and then even if you lose, hey, at least we had a good old time about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially the 6-2 versus Manchester United, but we won't <laughs> talk about that. Tom Alderson, what have you been enjoying about the Euros? It's kind of like it's seeing players that I don't normally see because I'm sort of like opposite to you guys that I, I'm pretty narrow in my view of football. I only really watch the Premier League and like the big European matches. So it's, it's, been, it's been nice to sort of um, seeing just like different players and even like watching a team like Hungary like I don't know any Hungarian players and I I couldn't name any of them to you now but I've enjoyed both their matches so far just because of the fans the racist fans is it (laughs) yeah yeah it's just there's there's a lot of them and there's an atmosphere we'll ignore what they're saying (laughs) and they all wear the same clothes it's it's weird (laughs) and do the same salute it's it's very odd yeah it's weird Good atmosphere, though. Uh, the, the match I think I've enjoyed most was the Portugal-Germany one, because I missed, the ne- I think was it Netherlands, I can't remember who they played, it was 3-2. Ukraine. Yeah, the opinion that I've got is like most people, that's probably in the best match of the tournament, but I, I missed that because I was, I was watching tennis, probably unfortunately, because the, the tennis was pretty poor. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that Portugal-Germany match uh, really stood out to me as the best match so far. Yeah, and that's a good example of a team who are usually famed for 
playing quite stodgy defensive football and it not working out for them uh, because obviously that's what Portugal did. And Portugal, I mean, they do have some exciting to attacking players in that team. I mean, even even if you ignore the fact that Cristiano Ronaldo is pretty washed these days, they have got players like Diego Jota and Bernardo Silva and, and uh, João Felix as well. Players like that. They, they have the ability to play more exciting football, but it does just seem to be this received wisdom that we're talking about where you just, you'd rather not lose than win or something like that. But yeah, hopefully there'll be a team that does play some exciting football that does go far. And like Josh says, I think Bielsa has broken our brains when it comes to football. And so anything that isn't back, like, you know, flying down the wings and, and absolutely battering oppositions that suddenly becomes very boring for us, but no doubt that will happen. Um, we should give a little report of the Leeds players this this Euros. There's not actually been that many um, players that have, have made all of their games, right? So we've had, obviously, Calvin Phillips, who is the subject of the episode that we're talking about today. Sorry, I should probably have mentioned that earlier. <laughs> uh, just dumping a Euros review episode on people. We are going to talk about Calvin Phillips in, in this episode. And I guess, is it Matez Click is the only player who's yeah, played in all of... Well, he's Alioski as well. Alioski played all the games. Thoughts on any of those? Have you seen many of those games, Tom? I haven't caught any of the Polish games, but I have weirdly watched all the North Macedonia games. I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> Sadist. <laughs> North Macedonia, like they've given it a go, haven't they? Even though they've, I think they were the first team to be knocked out. And Alioski's sort of, he, he plays a bit more attack, or more attacking than he does for us. Is that even possible? But he's, they've looked quite good. And did, Alioski scored as well, didn't he? I think in one of the games. Yeah, he did. He he um. He had his penalty saved and then scored an acrobatic volley on the uh, on the <laughs> rebound, which felt ve- it felt very Janny because you know we've seen him do so many overhead kick clearances just randomly when there's no need. You you just know he's desperate to score a sort of scissor kick volley, <laughs> and uh, he he decided, I know, I'll just pop it off the keeper, and then when it comes back to me, I'll. <laughs> He's, he's normally lethal at penalties. If you've ever watched him take penalties for either in um, either in penalty shootouts for Leeds or for North Macedonia, he normally bangs them in the top corner. So I think he knew that um, penalties don't don't count in in analytics, and he he wanted a real goal in the <laughs> tournament. So stat padding, Janny, as always, right? <laughs> Got himself a non-penalty goal. <laughs> Yeah, a man who isn't troubled by a lack of self-confidence, right? Certainly from the penalty spot. Josh, how about you? Have you caught much of the other Leeds players? Click's done done well, although Poland have been bad. Um, I think he's been one of the bright spots for them. He was playing well in, in the last game, but they did have to come off before an hour because I think they were maybe worried he might get a red card because he'd picked up a yellow. And it, it's just, you know, the way that he plays... He, makes so many challenges and presses so much as there's always a chance that he might pick up another one um i think he'll he'll play because they're they're tr- obviously still trying to go through so i presume he'll start again uh, for them this afternoon yeah and then i guess the only other player who's played will be liam cooper in the first game for scotland yeah played right? played the, the yeah. first game and then tierney came back and that was that it, was it. And he didn't even come on when Grant Hanley fell to pieces in midway through the game yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he was going to... I think they only use him as the left-sided centre-back in the three. He's basically Tierney's understudy who doesn't attack like Tierney. That's like his job. Poor, poor Liam, because that first game that he played in did not go well. Not that it was his fault, but it did not go well. 
Yeah, I think maybe I'm slightly biased here, but I do feel as though Scotland have been a little bit unlucky. They've had a couple of really, really nice goals scored against them and they've played quite well in in their games. Oh, for sure. That first game, it it didn't go well in terms of the way the the game played out, the result and so on, but uh, Scotland were good. I thought they were better than than the Czech Republic, but they, they, as we we know from... uh, 2018-19 2018-19 and 2019-20 if you if you miss all your chances you you can just get hit by a couple of sucker punches and that's what happened also if your goalkeeper goes AWOL that that's something <laughs> we've learned as well over a couple of years yeah that that was very Kiko wasn't it I wouldn't expect Kiko to do that to be honest he'd be <laughs> he'd, he'd, the ball had probably had a shot and he'd have flapped it and it gone in instead of being on the halfway line what's that rule of the internet call where if you have a thread open long enough eventually people will start talking about Hitler because I feel as though we do that with Kiko if you keep a podcast going long enough we all end up talking about Kiko but let's swiftly move on onwards onwards and upwards let's talk a little bit about Calvin's Euros so far so Josh what have you made of Calvin this Euros yeah it's been a bit of a roller coaster I think because you had the the first game where yeah, the, the the sort of response to his performance in the first game where he was so strong uh, playing, I guess England played a bit bit of a 4-3-3 where people were expecting um, it to be like a two and then mount in front. I think what it actually was was Rice in the middle and Calvin right centre mid and mount left centre mid. He played really, really well uh, as an eight in that game and I think that caught a lot of us by surprise and is a bit of the inspiration for this podcast um obviously had the shot in the first half that was saved to cause a lot of problems disrupting um with pressing up the pitch and then got the assist for sterling but then i think he did not look so good at all um against scotland and that it sort of gone from this high of everyone being like actually calvin phillips is is amazing to like oh i don't know if leeds can play Oh, sorry, don't know if England can play both Rice and, and Phillips. And then last night, uh, it was more of a double pivot with Grealish in front. And uh, I think he looked better again. Uh, and he dropped also into doing the single pivot when, when Rice went off. Tom, how about yourself? Have you enjoyed watching Calvin? Yeah, that, that first game especially, he was um, unbelievable. And it was like, it was kind of weird to see like even the national press sort of Sort of praising him, well, most of the national press um, praising him, and then sort of that. I don't know if no one's seen that um, that segment on ITV News. That's that was great to watch, um, and then Scotland. Yeah, he he didn't look good, but England as a team looked were rubbish in that game. Um, and then last night, yeah, he went back to the um, the 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 was it? He went back to the uh, single pivot, and he definitely looked much more comfortable. And he was also like kind of. Something we've seen in Leeds, like he does kind of move across to the left-back position, but he was doing it on the right last night. I don't know if that's something else. Yeah, yeah, he was. And Walker was pushing was pushing higher up. It was like a clearly a tactical thing that we were doing in build-up, where he was going there to make space for uh, Walker to push up a bit. But yeah, he definitely looks much better in the second half last night compared to the first, I thought. Yeah, and he looked very much like he was playing in a sort of Leeds adjacent role didn't he so I think it felt it was funny because I was watching him and I was like the way that he's moving off the ball here is very much the way he does it for Leeds and I wonder whether or not he's given the the license to do that or whether or not you just naturally end up doing it if that's the way that you play that role uh, normally but uh, I I guess the the 
you've as you talked about it, Josh, there's very much a sort of high point in the Croatia game, and then the next two games were a little bit different. Um, and I think a lot of that comes down to the tactical side of things. So there's a very good TIFO video about Calvin's role in the Croatia game, and uh, I think England were very much playing a sort of actually again quite parallel to Leeds um, tactic of overloading on one side to isolate on the other. Um, I think they had Phil Foden on the right, and they were trying to isolate him, so they're doing a lot of build up over on the left, and. Uh, as a result of that, they they sort of used Calvin as a, a stopper on the right hand side of the midfield, so that he was doing a lot of coverage in case the um, in case Croatia tried to build up through the their left hand side, I guess the England right, which was being left open because they were overloading on the right uh, on the left hand side for England. So. Um, in, obviously, in the next few games that that changed, Scotland were, I think, very very careful to prevent space being opened up in in the middle, and uh, I think the same is probably true of the Czech Republic as well. Um, and I think Calvin has looked maybe maybe a little less bright on the ball in those games as as a result of that. Um, so, what, what's your general take on that on that, Josh? Do you, what what does that really tell us about about, about Calvin? I mean, I think the first game, I felt like yeah, like. Um... Foden's movement was important in terms of him having space uh, as well as the sort of overloading on 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 the left. I think Foden would sort of um like it, for the assist for the goal Foden pulled out really wide um which meant there was like this gap in the middle and then uh, Guardiola didn't sort of know whether to go to Foden or go to go to Phillips and then he has a bit of space to drive up the field and and inside to play the pass. Um but I th- I thought that the thing that really impressed me about Phillips in, in that game was actually what he does well n- normally, which is disrupting. Um, so Modric, Kovacic, um, who was the other one? Brozovic, yeah. Uh, couldn't, they couldn't really ever settle on the ball. And a big part of that was just Calvin just buzzing around them all, all the time. Um Scotland found that a lot easier. Billy Billy Gilmore got on the ball a lot easier. I don't know if that was a sort of tactical shift because we didn't see Calvin disrupting that in in the same way. So I I feel like he was maybe told to rein that in a little bit, but I don't know why you would just let Gilmore sort of take the ball. Um and then yeah, yesterday he he was in it. He was never in that position. Like we saw him make some bursts forwards. And with the the goal, he put in the cross after Saka's run that was then not cleared, and and Grealish got back in the box for the for the goal. Um, so he did have a have a benefit going forwards, but it was much more about what he did in just breaking up play and build up yesterday. Yeah, interesting. Just looking, I've got the um, FB ref data from the Euro, so I've got Calvin's. Um... Uh, defensive actions data here and uh, just breaking it down game by game he makes 39 pressures in the Croatia game uh, compare that to the Czech Republic game where he only makes 21 um, he does make 33 pressures in the Scotland game so it's sort of comparative number but the success rate is is wildly different so he was he had a 25% success rate with his pressing in the first game and only 15% uh, success rate in, in, the, in the second one against Scotland so obviously with the caveats of what's a, a success rate actually means so that's the ball being turned over within five seconds of a pressing action um so yeah i think there's clearly something uh, that that changed in terms of the pressing there i think it's in the um you can see it play out in the thirds to be honest that's where the the real difference is so in in the uh in the croatia game it's 29 pressures in the midfield third 
uh, and only seven in the defensive third. And then in the Scotland game, it's 15 in the midfield third and 10 in the defensive third. So that's split completely differently. Interestingly, eight pressures in the attacking third in the Scotland game, yeah, which yeah. suggests maybe he was even slightly a bit further forward in that game, uh, which I guess Scotland did sit sit quite defensively and, and then try and catch them on the break. But yeah, um, very much a different pressing game in those two games. And I think testament to Steve Clark actually, to what Scotland did. Uh, they made sure that they didn't, allow Phillips that space uh, and, and the ability to, to disrupt the play as much um, in, that, in that game as well. Um, beyond that, in terms of the, the, um, the um, statistics that we've got to hand, um, I thought it, I've, I've not really looked through these very, very well, but I would recommend if anyone is interested to just go through, because it's very easy to do on FB Ref to compare the, the numbers across the Euros that Calvin's played, obviously with the caveat of, uh, of sample size, um, against the way that he plays, played against, uh, played for Leeds this season. Um, so there are quite a few interesting things in there. I'm not going to just redo out a list of stats, but, um, it, it is very interesting seeing how the two roles that he plays, the one he played for, plays for Leeds and the one he plays for England, how they actually differentiate themselves in terms of um, in terms of the numbers. Maybe I'll put this up on uh, our Patreon for our patrons to have a look through because um, I've got all the data here. Um, but I don't know if you guys have had the chance to, to look through any of this, whether anything stood out to you or whether or not, just in general, um, there were things about the, the, the way that Phillips plays the role for England that you think is quite different to the way that he plays the role for Leeds. Have we got goal and shot creation for playing for Leeds? Yeah. Yeah, it's so different. So <laughs> funnily enough, it's, it's, uh, it's, high, it's higher. His shot creation per 90 for Leeds in the Premier League is 2.15. And then for England in the Euros, it's 1.33. But I, I, I guess we shouldn't really compare those because it's, just the world's worst <laughs> sample size. But I was just, uh, my presumption was going to be that's going to be way higher for for uh, England because of his role. But the, uh, I mean, it's, it's the worst practice <laughs> in terms of stats to try and sort of pull something out from that. I suspect also that because Calvin takes a lot of set pieces, that probably pushes his numbers up yeah. for Leeds. Um, has he been playing? He's been taking a few set pieces for England, right? I think I think he took a free kick or two, but he hasn't. I thought he might take some corners. He certainly did in some warm up games, but he he hasn't. I don't think he even took one last night, even with Mason Mount off the pitch. In terms of goal and shot creation, Tom, something that we've talked about a lot in in our chats has been about how the big question for Calvin is if you're going to play him as an eight, how creative is he going to be? Um, what have you made of Calvin from a sort of creative point of view for England, with obviously that caveat of have caveat of sample size but also the fact that England I mean England have created six shots on target this in in three games which is like nothing compared to what Leeds are doing um so it's, there's clearly a system issue there but if you if you were to if, if I was to ask you like how impressed have you been of Calvin playing the eight in a creative sense what would you say yeah so that the, the thing I was thinking about this morning was like if he was to play an eight for Leeds say he'd have to either play sort of the more attacking one which would be clicks role or the more defensive one, which is like your Forshaw or your Dallas role, which depended on how we're going to play next year. And I was thinking, if if he was in that more attacking role, I don't think it would suit him because I've I've not been impressed really. Apart from the the obviously the the assist in the first game, I just I just don't think he has that um, attacking ability sort of 
when when he gets further up the pitch, it's it's not something we see him do for Leeds. Um, and he, I don't know, people tend to think that he's he's got this sort of ball playing ability because he pings a couple of crossfield balls, but I'm I'm just not sure that that's the case. And he's he's good enough, especially like when he's under pressure. I I don't think that he has that ability, sort of good attacking ability. So apart from like a couple of moments, I just I don't I haven't been that impressed with it. And that would, for me, if he was to do it for Leeds, I don't think he'd be able to. Do, he definitely wouldn't be able to do that more attacking role. Um, more attacker of the eights. I think what he would bring to that one, what he's brought for England, it's been more about off the ball stuff than on the ball stuff. So it's been his runs that he's made. So I don't know if you saw um, uh, on the Athletic, there was a, a piece. I don't know if I picked this up from the Athletic or somewhere else. Either way, um, uh, Michael Cox wrote a piece basically about Calvin Phillips' role. Uh, after the the first game, and one of the things was he's he's never been caught offside uh, in the last three seasons, but he was caught offside like early on in in the Croatia game because he was running beyond Kane, uh, and he I think he's got like he does just doesn't do that for Leeds in in his current position, but when he uh, was playing in that more attacking role in the season before Bielsa came, it was a big thing that he did was was run beyond the last man i can think of a goal that he scored against ipswich where he um he he ran through and had a one on one with the keeper went round the keeper and scored uh, he was scoring goals like arriving into the box uh, so i think he has some attributes to play in that role but i don't necessarily think uh in this particular system he has the at- the correct attributes unless we want him for a specific scenario that that's my kind of feeling and the other scenario would be another thing that he brings off the ball but this is out of possession rather than in possession and that's basically to smash people in the middle of the pitch so that you can or or on the edge of their attacking of their sorry defensive third so that we can uh, create goal scoring chances that way in the same way that he uh, did that against Fulham where he won the ball uh, and Bamford set up Rafinha for, for the winner, although he was playing in the DM in, in that game. But I think Dallas sort of covered him, which allowed him to go and make that, that challenge. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, so obviously the overriding question in this episode is how well could Calvin play eight for Leeds? And I think there's a lot really that needs to be unpacked before we can even attempt to answer that question. But I think the, the important first question we need to ask is how much does international football compare to d- domestic football and what are the issues that you might have from, from suggesting, well, because Calvin played the eight position well against Croatia, therefore he would be able to do it well for Leeds. So, uh, Josh, we've just spent an hour talking to Thiago Esteval, uh, the, the, um, the Portuguese uh, scout about how he goes about scouting across different leagues um, and across different clubs and across different countries. Um, I guess this is a sort of similar question, right? How do you go about watching Calvin playing in international um, and the international sphere and, and then appropriate it and, and, and try and make some kind of uh, assessment of that and then apply it back to the domestic side of things? Yeah, I think it's thinking of what I guess of, I think of Click as the like the optimal player for for that eight role for Leeds. Um, although Dallas did that role really well second half of of the season, when we saw Click come back in for those two games, like before he was g- given his rest, you sort of see saw the Leeds attack like Click again in a, in a way where it had sort of tailed off. And I think a big part of that is he he's very. Like we know all about his energy and his pressing and so on, but he's really, really smart in the way that he uh, comes and shows for the ball, finds little pockets of space to receive in between opponents. And then he's just really good at moving it off again really quickly. Lots of link up passing and then trying to sort of get into sort of dangerous areas to create from. I don't think you'd get that sort of same level of dynamism in movement from Phillips. And then his sort of, I don't think he's got that sort of clever touch uh, and cuteness uh, in possession to his to his game. I think he's a bit more like uh, he's a battering ram type player going forwards, uh, and so that's why I just I just that's why I think he can play in that role if you just want to exploit certain attributes at certain times. But you wouldn't, I wouldn't start him in that role or expect to see a run of games in that role and just go, oh, it's fine because Robin Cock can now play uh, in DM and we can shift Phillips forwards and who needs click anymore? Like, I I don't see that happening. So you think that the biggest issue then comparing England with Leeds is is more the tactical system side of things than any big gap in, in terms of ability or what was expected? Yeah, because the, the ability, like, I think he's proven like he's an international level player and not just a like some bog standard tier international, like England are uh, one of the strong international teams in terms of talent pool, even if we're not very exciting. Um, he He's clearly good in the role, but it's it's just certain attributes that I think are more important in Leeds way of playing. Like we have more of a, a building up through the, through the thirds and then like explode into into a life in terms of attacking quickly um and click is good at 
suddenly speeding up the tempo. And I I don't sort of think you'd get that from from Phillips. I think uh, he's just a bit, he's more likely to give you a lot of lateral passes. And yeah, yes, he can switch the play and like he's he's able to bang one over the, over the the top and have someone chase it. But I don't think he's going to do the, the clever link up that, that Click can do. And it's not to say that Calvin's not good, but he's just he's just not that kind of player. And that's fine. How about you, Tom? Let's bring you in on this. Um, because we're obviously talking about two different systems. Uh, we're talking about an England system, which maybe unfairly, you might say, doesn't really exist. I, it, it does seem as though that what you're getting with Leeds is a very carefully manicured over many decades by Marcelo Bielsa approach to how you do build up. Uh, and then the England team who we call quite defensive. Um, but actually a lot of that I think comes down to the fact that we aren't seeing England really running lots of attacking routes or attacking quickly or moving the ball well necessarily, uh, which means that you end up, like you, like Josh has said, with, with a very good talent pool of players who aren't really being um, given the system to to make it work from them, um, so let's we 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 know better than anyone I think how the uh, the Leeds United midfield system works, um, and how Calvin fits into that system, and we'll obviously talk about how he will fit into that system in 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 a, the next little while. But what what have you made of the way that England play? Um, obviously, they we've seen them play with basically a double pivot in certain games. Um, but I think they shifted to a four-three-three pretty much in the game against the Czech Republic yesterday, with Phillips playing as a single pivot rather than uh, in a double pivot alongside Rice um, as, as well. So, uh, what, what do you make of how different those those systems are, and how important that is for the way that Calvin plays? I think not just with like England, but international generally. Like you, you see that, and I don't. It'd be interesting to sort of speak to a well. You'd, you'd probably know about this, John. Like you can teach probably defensive systems quite quite quickly and quite easily whereas attacking systems like with Bielsa's that's been he's um, used over his career and like it, it takes a pre-season to teach a team how to play an attacking system and with the nature of international football you just you can't teach players to do it so it becomes very moments based and it's like all about it's kind of a lot more like about what individual players can do most of the time so and I think so, sort of linking in where Josh Josh had like Calvin's shown that he's upped the ability to play play to that to that level of international football. But in terms of the system, like I don't think you're ever going to get the best out of what Calvin's attributes are because there isn't in in the nicest possible way there isn't really an attacking system for England. Um, other than saying oh you just may move over to right back or maybe like. Uh, make overlap here but there isn't any sort of in- intricacy to it so it, it it is difficult to compare but you can you can see the little moments and like individual times that um calvin can do parts of that role but i don't think you could say oh he's if he's done well in the game for england as an eight that will directly compare to him playing well as an eight for Leeds united yeah and i think exactly that in terms of individuals carrying the attack you saw that in the first half yesterday where Grealish and Saka basically carried the England attack in that they would come and get the ball pretty deep and then just just run <laughs> just literally just run and get the get the um opposition backpedaling and then have other people running outside and that's what happens with the goal Saka drives like 
40 yards with the ball and Phillips gives him an option on the outside because he's he's got that the physical attributes to contribute to an attack but it didn't involve any kind of um like passing incision or close touch or anything like that it was it was just literally like we had a exceptional ball carrier that that created that goal really and then and then the individual quality of Grealish to to then fashion the final chance what do you think about the England system itself Josh because a lot of people have argued that you don't really need two players like Rice and Phillips on the same team and you could probably substitute in someone like Jude Bellingham and and play with a single pivot do you think that's a possibility or do you think England are are just looking to grind their way through the group stages and then play quite defensive against one of the big teams and try and pull off a result I think it depends what we're going to play going forwards maybe who we're going to play going forwards more than anything else in that uh that more attacking midfield role so uh yesterday i would say it was more of a 4231 than it, than it has been uh earlier on in the tournament and i think if you've got grealish playing there which i think england should i'm a big mount fan um but i think they should have grealish in because he i think he's got that sort of quality to terrify opponents and and then that just creates space um, but I think if you've got Grealish there, you do need, I think you do need Phillips and Rice um, playing together. Uh, and that's where England controlled it and looked at their best, even though it, it was a lot of just basically ball carrying from, from Grealish and Saka. In this tournament, that is good attacking <laughs> at the end of the day. Like that, England looked at their most dangerous in terms of attacking play than I think they have at any point. Uh, and I think that would work against some like if we're playing against France in the next game, which is quite a good chance. I would certainly play Rice and Phillips, and then put Grealish in front of them, and basically say we're gonna we're gonna have to counter attack, and we want to get it. We basically want to win it through Rice and and Phillips, and then get it to to Grealish to just charge it up the pitch and see what we can do. It's, it's not particularly. Um, um, intricate or, or anything like that but then Leeds are a, are a team that's very transitional of course we don't sit sit back and, and hit teams on transition uh certainly not sort of on purpose um but having ball carriers that that um unbalance the opposition as Bielsa loves to say is is a is a huge thing and we've seen that with Rafinha we see that with Tyler Roberts I, th- I think it's a legitimate thing to do. I just, I would like it to be just a bit more positive. Yeah, I think there's an interesting correlate here because I've got a question about whether or not Calvin played eight for Leeds last season. And I think there seems to be a general consensus that whenever Robin Koch came on, that meant that Calvin Phillips was playing an eight because Koch is more defensive than Phillips. Therefore, we only play a single pivot. Therefore, he must have been playing an eight. Um, but I, I think there's definitely a question that we can ask about whether or not Leeds at times last season effectively played a double pivot with with Dallas and, and Phillips. I don't know if you've got any thoughts on this, Tom. Yeah, I think the, with Dallas, um, it was, for me, it was pretty much a double pivot at times. Um, and when, when Koch came on, it was usually quite a late sub. And from memory, I always thought that Cock was the one that was playing further forward rather than Phillips. And there was never a time I remember thinking, oh, Cox played the CDM role and Phillips was pushing on. It always seemed to me that Cock was either playing midfield or they were playing as a double pivot. The, the only time I can properly think that Calvin played as an eight was maybe the Wolves games when we played, was it with Calvin, was it 
it was two. Was it Calvin and someone else? I think we only played him once in those one of those games, didn't we? In the first one. Yeah, because one of them was Click and Shackleton. Yeah. Ah, okay. And they, and one of them dropped in, and it was looked quite different because it depended on which player was playing. But I think the first Wolves game was the game where Calvin actually got injured, and he maybe dropped into defence even in that game in, in the last ten minutes or so. I can't remember, but yeah, oh, yeah, that was. I just remember being incredibly frustrated because it was like we're losing this game anyway. Just let this game go and come off because you're injured, you moron. Yeah, and I think what you're saying, Tom, is important because it very much is the case that Leeds' structure is very much dependent on the opposition team. So if, if you're playing someone who's playing a four, uh, three, four, three, they're going to have a flat two in midfield and so click... Um, Calvin is obviously going to push forward and look maybe a little bit higher and, and, and his role will look slightly different there so I, I guess he's still playing the same sort of role and in the build-up he will drop in usually as a single pivot and do the same stuff that he would do if the opposition had a 10 playing but um, so much of it is just to, is, is, is just covering that that structure of the opposition as well so maybe that complexifies the issue even more but um, Josh what, did, what do you make of the question of whether or not Calvin played for eight, eight for Leeds last season? Yeah I mean if he did, it was only for t- 10 minutes at, at the end of two games. So, I'd, you know, did did Tyler Roberts really play as a striker last season where he didn't start any games as a striker? <laughs> and he played, he played 12 consecutive starts in midfield. Like, you know, it's, I think it's, a, I think it's, we, you can't make any ju- real judgments on whether Phillips played as an eight because it's, it was so little minutes. And also, I think those games were games where we were... Was one of them maybe the City game, even the second one, when we were 2-1 up and we just brought on Koch for like extra cover? It was certainly against one of the big teams he came on. Yeah, but in, in that game, I I felt like we... Yeah, there was one where he came on where I definitely felt like we just... We were just trying to get as many defensive players on the field as possible to just not lose. And I don't think that necessarily counts as playing an eight, just because you've got no, loads no. of defensive players. On. Was anyone playing an eight that game? Mm, yeah, <laughs> I think we just had seven centre backs there, and, and then like Rafinha, Rafinha. and and Costa just trying to run up the pitch. Rafinha and Costa and Inshallah, as always. <laughs> so let's finally get to the to the crux of this question, which is: Do we think that Calvin could play eight for Leeds? And I think this basically comes down to system questions because as we've said the the leads when we're talking about eights there's no commensurability between what England are doing at eight and what leads are doing at eight and so I think a lot of this comes down to the fact that if you if you pose the question do we think Calvin could play eight for leads as they currently are I think we would probably tend to saying no because why would you because he's one of the best defensive midfielders in the world why would you push him out of that position to be a less good eight than some of the eights we've already got yeah yeah for sure and I think we would all be in consensus on that one. But I, I suppose the, 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 the other question is, is that, well, for example, we've already said that Dallas played in a slightly different role last, last season. So maybe Dallas was maybe more of a six and a half or a four and a half or whatever you want to call him. Um, and the question then becomes, to what extent do we think that, that Bielsa you know, wanted to play the, the the midfield in that in that sort of configuration. Is it the case that actually Bielsa would rather that we played two out and out eights and then had Calvin Phillips behind them? And so I think a lot of this answering of this question comes down to that kind of question as to what we think Leeds will look like next season or what the ideal version of Leeds looks like for Bielsa. Um, what do you think, Josh? I mean, like I said earlier, I think I think Click is the optimal pl- like play. I think. How how often he's played him there over the course of Bielsa's tenure uh, as as Leeds manager tells you how like how 
much he trusts him in that role. And yes, he got dropped uh, for Dallas, but I think I think it's been said that he would Click was carrying an injury. And my feeling is that as much as you know Dallas won Player of the Year, and I believe like I I voted for him in in the in the voting and all of that. Like I I think that was right. I would still have Click back in at eight, and I think Bielsa wants the the single pivot and the two free eights with the the sort of two different defined roles, where it's like one is more box to box and one is more of an attacking. Um, of an attacking midfielder. Um, yeah, I, I think that that's what we always saw. Even when we had Forshaw in, in the midfield as well, we still had one who was a box-to-box and, and one who was more of an attacking midfielder. Um, I think that the Dallas thing came out of necessity and maybe a little bit of... like So the necessity of the, the click injury is what I mean, but also a little bit uh, trying to be like, we are just getting killed through the middle uh, so he was trying to fix that a little bit and maybe maybe he first tried it because he wanted to get Rodrigo in there without just having our press just collapse uh where, <laughs> how that's going to work next season I, d- I don't really know yet because I my gut is that he will start with Rodrigo in midfield because I think he he likes what he brings to the attack but I think you're totally right in what you said of basically why would you want to move Calvin to an eight when he's been like the hub of the team. Uh, it, the role is is basically called the Phillips role. Like that's that is where he plays. He's he's physically built to play that role. Uh, he's got the passing range to play uh, from that role. Like what? Just why shift him? So I think the the two eights is up for grabs. But I think that that the DM will be Calvin, and that's unquestionable. See, for me, I think in terms of the att- the attacking stuff first, I don't think he's good enough to play the either of the re- the eight roles. But I think defensively, if you sort of talk about like the sort of what the role that Dallas did, I don't think he could do that either because of like because it was more zone of like a zonal marking, and we've not seen Phillips do that for what at least three years really. So, and I'm not convinced he could do that as effectively as Dallas. And then, but I think there are potentially situations where you might want a player that to be, to, to that he could do a role as one of the eights defensively, similar to what he's done for England. That I, I don't know what situation this would be in. He might, he, I don't know if it'd be against a bigger team where you want to be more defensive. I don't know. It, um, but... I think maybe on occasion you might want it, but if you were saying long term, no, I think he should definitely stay as the um, holder midfield role that he's been playing in. Well, I think that brings us very much to a consensus position at the end. So um, I think that, that has made this whole conversation worth it. It's been great fun chatting to you guys again. We'll be back next week with another episode about something confected like this, but hopefully you guys have enjoyed <laughs> this. Well, I want to hear from anyone that actually want to argue against that because I like I want I want to hear the the breakdown because I can't I actually can't really understand why why there have been any suggestions of it audience engagement let us know yeah we don't do that yeah get in touch with us and we will read out any thoughts that you have and we can fight on twitter we never do that <laughs> no we never no we'll just have a nice chat it's fine 
Well, as I mentioned before, Josh and I have just had a, a long conversation with Thiago Esteval, who is a Portuguese scout who works at one of the top European clubs, a club who have Champions League football, no less. And we had a great time chatting to him just about the processes that he's involved with in terms of his job as a scout, particularly a data scout. That is going up on our Patreon today. So if that sounds interesting, then head over to our Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash allstats, aren't we? And check it out. Uh, I will be sharing that from the Twitter as well. We've got lots of other exciting plans for our Patreon coming up as well. We will be speaking to Eric Laurie, who is a, a youth coach at Molder, Olegana Solskjaer's former club. He's going to talk to us a little bit about the future of tactics. He's written a piece on his medium, just looking at how he thinks the trends might change in the future. And it, I think it pinges on a lot of what Leeds are trying to do at the moment. So that'll be a fun thing to talk about. So that will be in a couple of weeks time on our Patreon as well. Beyond that, I think that's everything covered. So all there is for me to do is to say thank you, Josh. Cheers, mate. And thank you, Tom. Thank you very much. And we'll see you next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 